Well, here we are. We've been doing the series, The Ten. It's been this 10-week countdown, and we've finally arrived at number one on our countdown. But it's like any other countdown. There's a reason why number one fills that spot. If you're watching a sports show or whatever, there's a, there's a countdown to the best try, the best tackle, or, or whatever it is. It's number one for a reason. And I believe first command is the most important of them all. So let's get into our countdown. Number 10, do not covet. Number 10. Number nine, do not testify falsely. It's not just, uh, do not lie. No, it's do not testify falsely. Number eight, do not steal. Number seven, do not commit adultery. Number six, do not murder. It's not do not kill. Do not murder. There's a big difference. Number five, honor your parents. Number four, remember the Sabbath. Also slightly different to keep the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. Number three, bearing God's name. Also very different to do not use the Lord's name in vain. And need to go back and listen to that. It's a great one. And number two, worship no idols. And here we are at number one. Worship the Lord God alone. Worship the Lord God alone. This is the most important commandment. I mean, they're all important. So let's read Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 to 3. And, and it reads, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. And, and basically, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The main principle behind this commandment is that God gets first place in our lives. God gets first place. Does, does God have first place in your life? Does he have first place there? The first commandment begins with our relationship with God. I love this. It all begins with relationship. This is what this commandment is all about. And you know what's really interesting is that our relationship with, with God affects our relationship with other people. And this commandment is so important that God longs for us to seek him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all our mind. Now, spiritually speaking, uh, where is Jesus in the car of your life? Where is Jesus? Do you like drive, are you driving along the church? You rock up the church, you go to the booth, you open the boot. Okay, Jesus, you can come out now. All right, and you go to you go along for your, your holy happy hour. And church is finished. You go back. Hey, Jesus, jump back in the boot. Right, is he in the boot in this spiritual uh, car of yours? Or is he in the back seat? Okay, okay, Jesus, you're in the back seat. Oh, let me, let me tell you how we should go, what direction we should go. Or is he at the, in the passenger seat? Is Jesus sitting in the passenger seat? Or is Jesus sitting in the driver's seat? Where is he in your life? Which part, where, where, do you, where do you place him? Is Jesus in control? Is he driving? And if Jesus is driving, are you a backseat driver? Like, what are we going there for? Well, where do you want us to go over here? Oh, come on. You know, oh, oh, you know, you know what it's like having backseat drivers. You ever anybody had that, that kind of backseat driver? Right? And, and don't, anyone, don't turn to your wife or, or your husband or anything like that. I don't want any, any, any little incidents happening this morning. So where is Jesus in the car of your life? Right? How do people, how do people know that you're a Christian? How, how do they know you're a Christian? Like when people look at you, can, can they go, wow, there's someone, there's something different about this person. It, the way they treat people, the way that they are, or when they look at you uh, in, the, in your workplace, they, they don't see any difference between you and them. There's people in your workplace who are far away from God. They don't see any difference. You know, how can they tell that you're a believer? And the Ten Commandments, the laws that, 
they were given by, by God for a reason. So when we begin to go, let's look at the first verse. It says, uh, it says, and God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So God rescues the Israelites. He rescues them from the bondage of slavery. They've been in Egypt for so long. And, and so now God invites them to be his people, to come and be my people. And, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like a marriage ceremony. And this is what this covenant, God calls, he, he, he calls those people to come to be his own people and has a, and makes a covenant with them, makes a vow. And the people make a vow to him like a marriage ceremony. When two people, people come together, they exchange vows. And, and these vows are, uh, um, is, uh, these vows show how we are going to relate to one another, how we're going to live together in a loving relationship. And that's what these wedding vows are about. So God gives his laws as, as giving his people his identity. It's not about simulating some more to be morally perfect in any way. In fact, put it another way, following the law isn't about making God happy. Like, I've got to follow the laws. If I don't follow the laws, then, then I'll, God's not going to be happy with me. It's not about that at all. In fact, the laws were given so that they, so when we begin to, to follow God's law, that we begin to live a lifestyle that reflects God's goodness and that other people can see God's goodness in your life. And, and the Israelites were given these covenants so they will live, if they live the, these covenants in such a way that the other nation will desire to have this God as my God. He goes, oh my goodness, look at the way the Israelites are living and, and, and it's because of their God. And, and so to live this way was meant to be this beacon of light to all the surrounding nations. But when we know the story and what actually happens, it doesn't actually end up like that with the children of Israel. It's about relationship. It's not like if you don't follow the laws, then you're out. If you break one of these laws, you're out. Sorry, you're not coming to heaven. You don't tick all the boxes. You don't get to, you know, there's not Pete, St. Pete sitting at the, at the pearly gates and like, now I've got a checklist here. Like, uh, okay, yep, okay, you did this. Yep, oh, sorry, you, you did a missing check. Sorry, you can't get into the kingdom of God. It's not about that at all. It's about relationship. It's about relationship. Like, how do you know I love my wife? How do you know I love my wife? You know, can you tell I love my wife? Right? I don't walk around with a copy of my vows in my pocket just to make sure. Because, okay, have I kept my vows? Because, oh, you know, oh, I've broken this. But I don't walk around that. I, it's not about following my vows. It's, it's about a relationship that I have with her. And my actions will, 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 will tell you if I love my wife or not. Right? If, if I'm like doing, um, if I don't talk to her, I don't speak about her. In fact, you're shocked to find out I am married. Then you think, hmm, there's something wrong with your relationship because you, your, your actions don't, don't show. And this is what, what the laws are about. See, you are saved by faith. I am saved by faith. And like, that's how I enter into heaven. That's how, um, that's how I, uh, I go before God is by faith. But my good works, it shows it. It just shows it. It's just who I am. It's this relationship. It just shows it. It's not like I've got to, my, I don't, it's not about like, um, it's not like I've got to live this way in order to please God. God is not after performance. You've got to perform. It's about your heart. It's about this relationship. And if your relationship is, if your relationship is right, and then it flows out of there. And that's, and that's how you can tell. So how can people tell, if people know that you're a Christian in your workplace. And this is what this, this, this passage is about. Where is God? Is he number one in your life? Because if he's number one in your life, it will begin to flow out of you. And then we go to verse three. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. 
Now, this command doesn't deny the existence of other gods. Did you know that? Did you know the Hebrews believed in other gods? That there were other gods out there? When we think of um, being a monotheist, monotheist is we worship one God. But when we think of a monotheist, we think there's only one God and there's no other God. Well, that's not the way that the Hebrew scripture speaks about this monotheism. It speaks there is one God and there are a lot of other gods out there. Do not worship those gods. They're false gods. We only worship one God. And the problem, the reason why, even by me saying that, it makes us feel uncomfortable when I say there's lots of other gods out there. And it's because it's our concept around this term, God. Because we kind of struggle with this because we assume when we use the term gods, right, that they have the same attributes as capital G, God. We see them, at, but here's the thing, the Bible refutes that. In Hebrew, the word gods or God is a plural term, Elohim, Elohim. And so you shall have no other Elohim before me. That's what it says. You shall have no other Elohim. Before. It's plural. The word Elohim in Hebrew means spiritual being. You shall have no other spiritual beings before me. And that's what it's saying. And that's what the Bible says. There are lots of spiritual beings out there. Don't worship them. There's lots of things out there. It's a disparative term because Yahweh, Yahweh is a spiritual being. You know, he's a spiritual being. But this spiritual being created all these other spiritual beings. The God of the Bible created all things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. And there are rebellious spiritual beings out there, rebellious spiritual beings that are dangerous. And be careful not to worship them is what the scripture is telling us. Because you do not worship created beings. We worship the creator of all things. Yahweh, our Elohim. This is what scripture, scripture says. We worship Yahweh and he's our Elohim. There's lots of them out there, but Yahweh, out of his very being, he created the universe. And there's no other Elohim that can do what our Elohim can do. Because uh, Yes, Yahweh is a spiritual being, but there is no spiritual being like him. He, only he is sovereign. Only he is omnipotent. Only he is omniscient. Only he is omnipresent. Only he is unique. There is none like him. And that's our Elohim. Yahweh, he's our Elohim. So how do we describe God? What is the best Description of God. I love what Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says. He says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Who's Apostle Paul talking about? He's talking about Jesus. That Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And when it says the firstborn of all creation, this word firstborn, it's a Hebrew way, way of saying he's the preeminent and rank. He is the supreme of all creation because he created it all. This is what it's saying. He's preeminent. Uh, Israel is spoken as God's firstborn. It doesn't mean that there was no other. Oh, so Israel, they're not like the first ones created. There was, other, there was other people groups around, but you are preeminent and rank of all the people. This, this is what this term firstborn means. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says this. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. Think of the, the, the sun in the sky, right? And, and, then, and, you know, sometimes at winter, we see the sun, it just looks like a picture. 
because you can't feel anything from the sun that comes up, especially if you live in the South Island, like here anyway. You see the picture, you see the sun. Uh, Andrew, if anybody knows the previous past class, Andrew Smith, he talks about the sun in Dunedin. It's more like a picture. You don't feel anything from it. I'm not sure they've ever been at Dunedin. I'll try that out when I go there. But the sun, when you feel the heat of the sun, what do you feel? It's the radiance of the sun. So, so when does that stop being the sun? When you're feeling that, and this is what we talked about Jesus. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, that he's the exact representation. See, loving God means making Jesus number one in our life. That's what it means. Loving God means making Jesus number one in our life, that Jesus is the best description of God. He is the best description. He is God. In physical form, the second Yahweh figure from Daniel chapter 7. Just read Daniel chapter 7. It's a great passage. We're not going to go there. Another can of worms. <laughs> Loving God means making Jesus number one in our lives. So what's competing to be number one in your life? What's competing? What's competing for Jesus to be the driver in your life? What's competing? What are you passionate about? Because I'm passionate about Jesus. Whatever you're passionate about, we can begin to see it. In, the, in your speech, what do you talk about the most? Right? When people meet me, they, they, they can tell what I'm passionate about. I can get into um, the weeds when it comes to scripture, and I can get into the weeds when it comes to rugby, and I can get into the weeds when it comes to, to, to Star Wars. <laughs> and things like, you can begin to see what I'm passionate about. But the way that we talk, what do you talk about the most? I mean, what do you spend most of your time doing? What do you do the most? What do you spend your finances on? Because the Bible tells us that where your treasure is, there your heart is also, right? So what do you treasure? Because whatever, tre whatever you treasure, that's where your heart is. Your heart is there. You know, some people tell me that they're passionate about their family, but yet I don't see them spending any time with their family. I don't see them, and I think, you know, that's, that's, that seems like something you want, but that's not actually what you actually do. There's God number one. Passionate about it? Does he get? Is he number one in your life? Can people tell that you're you're a follower of Jesus? Can people tell? You know, I believe the biggest competition for Jesus in our lives is a certain God. Especially today, there's a God that lots of people worship in today's day and life. And the God, I'm, I'm lower G, lower letter G when I say God, and the number one God of this world today is my truth my truth is my god because whatever is my truth that's true how whatever i feel like i i want you to i want you to i want you to call me what i tell you to call me because that's my truth because my truth is god and if you don't believe in my truth then we can't be friends so what do we what do we worship here what's going on because if you don't know what you stand for you'll fall for anything do you know what you stand for? What is, you know, should, what is your God? Is it your truth? Or was it the God of the Bible? You know, when I think, well, I was thinking about the second commandment, you know, I, I, I think about this. It could also mean for some people it is, it should be, do not make yourself an idol. Because it's about me, myself, and I. Do not make yourself an idol. Whatever is my truth is truth. If we love God, we must act justly and stand up against public opinion. 
I'm not saying go out there and, and we're going to protest. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying if you love God, we must act justly and stand up against public opinion. The early disciples did. What do we read in Acts chapter 5, verse 29? But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. When we read our scripture, do we compromise because, we're, because of what society is doing? Because we're listening to men. Or do we say, you know what? This is the word of God. I trust in God. I mean, two weeks ago, we were driving back from, from Raglan and we heard on the radio, was, uh, at, around lunch, the lunchtime news on the radio, driving, driving back home and that a math teacher here in New Zealand lost their teacher's, their teacher's license because of his Christian belief. Because he believed that God made only two sexes, male and female. Because of that, he lost his teaching license. So who is your God? Is the, is it, do you worship the God of my truth? Or do you read, or do you, or do you follow the God of the Bible who loves you, for you? But there's also another God that, that we tend to worship a lot. It's called busyness. <laughs> the God of busyness. I'm just, just so busy, you know. I'm too busy. I'm too busy to pray. I'm just too busy, you know. Um, if I say to Porto, you know, I've decided I'm just going to be faithful to you one day a week. Because I'm just too busy. <laughs> you know, you think that will bother her? <laughs> I'm just going to be faithful to you one day a week. Because I'm just too busy. You know, just the things going on. You just got to understand, Porto, what's going on. It's just so busy. And because partial faithfulness is, is no faithfulness at all. Partial faithfulness is no faithfulness at all. See, Putting God first doesn't mean just going to church on Sunday. I'm putting God first. I'm going, thanks so much for coming. <laughs> Thank you for so much. And, and it, but, it, you know, but it just doesn't mean that. It, it, it says that because, because God wants to be part of your daily schedule. You, you know, your schedule is so important. You pick up your phone. What, what am I, where, where am I in there? You know, it'd be nice if, uh, and, you, when you look, and when God looks at the schedule, he's not even in your, in your schedule, right? Do you, do you shape your schedule around God or, or do you just, if I can fit them in, I'll, I'll, I'll put them in there somewhere. That's okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll get there, God. You know, do, where are we going to start? Um, I, I, um, I remember uh, when I, one of the first ministries I did in this church was um, intermediate age program. I'll take the intermediate age kids away on a Sunday during the morning. So for two years, I never actually came to a Sunday morning service and heard the preacher at all because I was in there with the kids. Kids, the Young, young teenagers, should I say. Keep what you say, yeah, you know. And I remember someone saying to me, because oh, I'll never see you in church on Sunday. He goes, no, no, I'm, not, I'm in church. I'm just with the intermediate age kids. He goes, oh, aren't you afraid that you're not getting fed? That's what they said to me. And I said, so, no, 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 it's okay. I ate before I came. I ate before I came. And they looked at me strange. And, and I know what they're talking about, spiritual food. You know, and here's the thing. If, if the only time that I'm eating is on a Sunday, there's something wrong with my faith. I can't be relying on the pastor to feed me if I can't feed myself at home. You know, and, and when it comes to the spiritual food, if the only time you're eating is on a Sunday, you're going to be hungry. You're going to be careful because when you get so hungry during the, during the week, the world will begin to feed you. And if you're not careful, you begin to take whatever the world says. And that's when compromise begins to seep, seep into our lives 
hey, are you eating on your own? Do you know how to cook your own meal at home? I'm talking spiritually speaking. Are you eating at home? Are you cooking your own food? Or are you just waiting, waiting for a Sunday? Or waiting for maybe getting a smack? A smack? I look straight at my wife, but anyway. Gonna get the smack down. Okay. Snack. Oh, snack is what I meant to be. Oh, you're going to connect with during a week to get a snack. This is what I meant to say. See, it's important to establish a habit of regular prayer. Regular prayer. Bible reading. Worship and teaching. You know, if we prayed as much as we worry, we would have much less to worry about. Say that again. If we prayed as much as we worry, we would have much less to worry about. See, prayer does not need proof. It does not need proof. It needs practice. It needs practice. So what does this mean for us? It, uh, it means that we need to make God a priority in our life. That's what it means. This is what this commandment is about. It's a relationship. And the best way to make God a priority in your life is to, is to form healthy habits. And before you roll your eyes, it goes, oh, here we go, habits. Because we all know how hard it is to form a habit. Right? We've all tried and we've all failed. How many of you tried to form a healthy habit of exercising and failed? How many have tried to form a healthy habit of eating and failed? Right? I remember trying to form a healthy habit of prayer because, you know, I get inspired by people and they say, I get up at five o'clock in the morning and I'm praying for a couple of hours. I said, yeah, I can do that. And I remember getting up at five o'clock in the morning, set my alarm, walking down, and I knelt down on the couch to pray. And at seven o'clock, I woke up and I looked, oh my goodness. Yeah, the Holy Spirit was praying as I was sleeping. You know, if you struggle to form a habit, let me help you. Because there's a science to forming a habit. And uh, to be honest, it's not actually that difficult. It's really not that difficult. Because the best way to form a new healthy habit is to attach it to an existing habit. So in your life, you've got habits. You've got a daily routine. We're creatures of routine. We really are. And those are habits. Establish habits. So if you want to create a healthy habit, well, then just attach it to one you've already got. Like, for example... I love using this example. If, if, if the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning, when you wake up in the morning is you're looking underneath your pillow. You, 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 what are you looking for? Your phone. Think of this your habit. You know, don't point at anyone. <laughs> so if you're looking for your habit, why, why are you grabbing your phone? Because you want to check your notifications. How many likes did I get on that picture of a cat I put on? I don't know. Or, or angry faces because of the cat you posted. <laughs> You know, you look, if that's, if that's it, if this is what you're doing every morning, then that's a habit. So why not attach a habit to an already existing habit? So the first thing you do, if you wake up in the morning, you go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to read my Bible and pray. And so therefore my trigger point is when I grab my phone, that's when I'm going to form. So grab your phone and before you check Facebook or whatever it is, stuff ends there so I can read the rugby, who's on the team or what, not saying someone does that. And um, before you open up any of your applications, open up your Bible app. Or maybe you're, you're more of a physical Bible reader. Grab your phone, have a physical Bible next to you. Before I even open up any app, I'm going to grab my Bible. I'm attaching this habit to this. And just read one chapter. One chapter. 
that's it. If, if you're just reading it and it doesn't make sense, just read it. Just read it. Why? Form a habit. I'm reading. I have no idea. What the heck? What is genealogy? When does it stop? Especially when you get to uh, First uh, Chronicles. It's like, it goes for uh, eight chapters of, of genealogies. I just did Chronicles anyway. And uh, just form this habit of reading it daily. And then, and then when you're finished, then you can open up Facebook or whatever it is. Put your Bible down. Form your habit. Oh, and sorry. Read your one chapter. When you finish reading your chapter, pray. Form this habit. Do this. And that's just an example of if you've, if you've got another habit of like 10 o'clock, I always have a cup of tea. Catch a habit to that 10 o'clock cup of tea. Read your chapter. Have a prayer. Whatever it is, whatever habit you already have, attach it to that. Number, the, the main, the, why are we doing this? So we can make God priority and, and just begin, just start there. It's okay. Start small. Learn to feed yourself on your own. Attend church regularly. Get connected to a connect group. We're better together. The point is, take responsibility with your faith and make Jesus a priority in your life. The first commandment begins with our relationship with God. This is what this is about. Wait, I'm just going to end with this story. It's a story that I love sharing because it's a true story. Because if you know me, I love reading comic books. I read DC, Marvel, The Phantom, The Ghost Who Walks. I read all those comic books. I just loved it. I just I I I would read stacks of comic books. And if anybody knew me, I and I really got into the Marvel DC world and all those things. And I read that religiously. And I remember becoming a, a Christian in my younger, uh, in my late teenage life. And when I was about nineteen, someone challenged me and said. Imagine if you had as, that, as much passion for your comic books called the Bible. Imagine where, where you will be today. And to be honest, they weren't trying to encourage me. They were really criticizing me. And, um, but you know what I was thinking? That's true. So I made a decision. Even before I understood how habits work. And I decided before I pick up my comic book, I'm going to read one chapter a day. And I picked up the Bible. And I started reading one chapter. Let me tell you something. When I was reading the Bible, I had no idea what I was reading reading this book what it was me but i was determined i was determined one chapter a day when i was 19. here i am as a 39 year old sorry forgive my decades wrong sometimes but i started at 19 one chapter a day and i never stopped one chapter a day what and sometimes there's more sometimes i just can't put down the bible one chapter that I've never stopped from that moment. On. And you know what I did? I never picked up another comic book again. Because I got, to be honest, I actually got so intrigued as I read these stories, as I began to read the stories of Esther and, I, and, I, and on all these, these incredible stories going on and, and the kings and, and Joshua and, and all these battles. And it just intrigued me. And then the gospel, the acts, the acts of the apostles, it just intrigued me. And I just couldn't keep this book down for when you begin to allow the word of God to change you begin to with relationship relationship so look here's the craziest thing in my late 20s because of my dumb my own dumb decision my own dumb choices anybody make dumb decisions and choices in your life I fell out of relationship with God in fact I walked away from God my late 20s Walked away from God. Anybody ever done that before? 
But because I had this habit, I was still reading my Bible. Still reading my Bible in the morning. And I was praying the Lord's Prayer because my grandmother had installed it in me to say the Lord's Prayer. So I wasn't, I remember I was in town in Auckland at the Viaduct. In this club, and it was filled with smoke and, and people, music, and dancing. And I was there with my teammates. And, and I remember in that club, and I'm, all, I, all I remember thinking was, This is fake. This isn't real. And at that moment, I longed to be in the house of God. And Elliot shared about that. I longed in that place while I was still lost. And why? Because I had this habit still going. Even though I was away from God, I was still feeding myself and my, my spirit. So when we came to Elam, 19 years ago, when we came to Elam 19 years ago, I, I, even when I felt I wasn't good enough, even, I, even though I felt that, that God would have wanted someone like me, I still could hear the voice of God saying, come as you are. And here in Elam, we renewed our faith. I can't believe that we're now leading the church. Will you put Christ in the driving seat of the car of your life? Will you make Jesus a priority? This is what this first commandment is about. The first commandment begins with our relationship with God. How can you tell I love my wife? It's not because I'm ticking off the boxes. because of my actions. We're saved by faith. But what we do shows it. And that's commandment number one.